so just be careful next year lah you might accidentally fall for someone and if you are really holding on to you know such beliefs it's quite likely that you will fall for someone that's pretty nasty yeah. that will never happen I'm kidding <laughs> probably happened before <laughs> <laughs> I can see which year it happened <laughs> 2014 <laughs> oh my god oh my god Okay, okay, <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Something Private, a podcast about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and the society. My name is Nicole and I am your producer and your host. I just want to apologize in advance because I'm having a mild throat thing today and my voice is just... I think it's less... It sounds less obnoxious but it's a lot more streamed i'm trying my best it's a surprise episode part two of astrology two days ago we released an episode titled the millennial obsession with astrology so that episode covered everything about astrology that we all kind of grew up knowing basically horoscopic stuff like you know if you're pisces if you're gemini if you're leo or libra which is what Western astrology is about, you know, in general. And we spoke to Mei Sim, she's the owner of Self Astrology, an astro school here in the heart of Singapore, and why millennials like astrology so much. So in Western astrology, they typically study the planets in relation to our location on Earth. So Mei shares how each planet rules a different aspect of our lives, and how we can use this understanding to better understand ourselves. Check out our previous episode, it's episode 16 on Spotify. While doing that episode, it got me thinking, what about Eastern astrology? What's the deal with um, Sheng Xiao then? There are also like 12 of them, right? Is there any correlation? So, I did a bit of googling and with a bit of luck and good SEO, I managed to find Master Sean Chan. Okay, hi. So, uh, my name is Sean. I call myself a Chinese metaphysics uh, consultant. Uh, it's also known as, you know, an astrologer or fortune teller, but I prefer using this term metaphysics consultant because I didn't want it to be associated too much with superstition and all the misconceptions that are out there nowadays. Very nice to be here. Thanks for having me as well. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Sean is really interesting because he's honestly just like any one of us, like every other Singaporean son. He went to NS, he went to uni, he got a corporate job. Just that now, Mans is a 33-year-old Chinese astrologer. I'm like any other millennial. Like, I watch Netflix, I drink beer, I curse and swear. <laughs> you know, uh, I went through what a typical route. do that? Okay. <laughs> So, so I grew up like any other typical Singaporean. No, I, I have no special abilities. I cannot see spirits. I cannot, you know, I don't have vision. Back in 2012, 2013, when I was like intensively studying uh, Chinese astrology, I took my iPad because I had some e-books. It was at night. I took my iPad, a can of beer, and then I'll go to Bishan Park and I'll just sit there and read the whole night. Yeah. So I did this for two years, really. And then one day, suddenly, uh, I could read charts. Oh. Mm. Yeah, so that's, so that's the story. There are charts that you know is meant to be an astrologer. So your chart can tell that you are supposed to be good at this field. So what I believe is that not 
everyone and I'm not saying this you know out of ego or whatever but not everyone is suited for mm. this view yeah mm. you have to have a certain affinity for it lah. but that doesn't mean we are special or better yeah. people I'm not, I'm not saying I that. mean it makes sense not everybody can be like <coughs> yeah, the exactly. whole world want to be astrologers it's like yeah that, exactly, exactly. You know? I grew up with a very negative impression of Chinese fortune telling slash Bazi reading like my mom grew up telling me that if I ever went for such readings like these Chinese fortune tellers would like essentially be able to control my life I was like lol so powerful meh so, so these are the superstitious parts about it so yeah. a lot of people feel that oh if you get your fortune read your life will shorten but if that's the case right I would be dead by now because I, I read my <laughs> own chart so many times so that's Definitely not true, ma. And you know the clients who come to me every year, yeah, they're doing pretty okay now. Some of these things are just, uh, what's that? What's that word? Wives' tales, ah. Uh. Mm, oh, yeah. wives' tales. Oh, yeah. wives' tales. Yeah. What so, were some of like the rights that you wanted to? Mm, okay, like, so change, so let's let since Chinese New Year is coming, right? Mm. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, you'll start seeing zodiac forecasts on TV. Channel eight. Yeah, channel, channel eight or wherever <laughs> la, You know YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, it's always the same few people in a Chinese robe <laughs> saying this, saying that, you know, with the stars and the ranking. It's not that Chinese metaphysics or Chinese astrology cannot do forecasts. I mean, it can, it's supposed to, but there's a right way of doing it. And you cannot just take someone's zodiac and then give a general forecast and saying that everyone under this zodiac will go through these things. That's not how it works. It's... Uh, it, it just messes up everything and it, the only thing it achieves is to cause harm and it doesn't actually benefit any, anyone. So I had some clients who uh, are very into these, you know, annual zodiac forecasts. They see that the person on TV uh, says that they can start a business this year and they go ahead and do it and then eventually the business fails. So these are some of the, the consequences la, of people not being educated on how a reading or how the theory is applied. This is one example of what I wanted to, you know, educate the public about. Um, and a lot of other things. Lah. A lot of people feel that Chinese metaphysics or astrology is like a quick fix or a tool to quickly manifest your desires, you know, make sure you get whatever you want. Um, it's not the best way to approach this view, in my opinion. Because there's, there's so much more depth to this view uh, that people don't really bother going into. It's always, oh, you know, when will I strike the lottery? When will I meet the love of my life? When will I get rich? But it's always, when will I get my instant gratification? Mm. So there's very little looking inwards. There's very little questioning. Uh, there's very little introspection, which I feel is lacking. So I try to address these things as well. Because if I were to give a very balanced point of view, there are such things as bad charts or challenging charts where uh, when a practitioner sees such a chart, you will know that this person will go through a lot of difficulty. Some people probably never get married or never become wealthy. So Maybe these are you can see this kind of thing. Yes, yes, definitely. So it's, it's a very unpopular thing to say. So you'll never see you know a practitioner on tv saying such yeah. things because it doesn't sell well yeah but but this is the harsh reality and hard truths about uh, astrology man. these kind of charts and these kind of lives do exist so yeah. so right now everyone practitioners and also you know the consumers are approaching astrology and metaphysics in a very i feel imbalanced way it's always about the feel good factor mm. and, and whatnot, which I feel is not not very healthy. The older generation 
definitely uh, are the ones that are a little bit more brainwashed, lah, I would say. The younger ones, the millennials, uh, are starting to get a little bit more savvy. They will mm. start to question a little bit more because uh, they can always Google yep. and then try to find out more themselves. I think it's human nature lah, mm. that you know you want your desires to be met. Mm. Another big reason why Chinese astrology never occurred to me is because it's not as accessible as Western astrology. Like, you know, in Western astrology, there's so many big apps on it. Like we mentioned in the previous episode, CoStar, there's Pattern, there's Sanctuary. And I'm really ashamed to also admit that I'm not very proficient in Mandarin. And therefore, the idea of reading anything in Mandarin for leisure is like wild, you know, it's wild. So in places like Taiwan, mainland China, Chinese astrology is a lot more popular because firstly, there are a lot more practitioners. And secondly, the locals there, they understand the language very well. So Sean breaks it down. So when you hear or see the term Chinese metaphysics, people will automatically you know, assume or know that you're talking about astrology as well. Mm. Just that, fine, you know, the word astrology denotes that you know, there are stars involved, you observe the movement of the planets and whatnot. Why metaphysics is because when our Chinese ancestors came up with this view, there is a, a little bit more depth than just looking at the planets. Uh, and stars as well there's the theory of yin yang which has nothing to do with the planets and the stars yin yang is you know about balance and how uh, reality always has to exist as a duality so Mm. that's why there's male female there's heat there's cold so whatever you can observe in nature or reality there is always an opposite to it Mm. yeah so that's what the yin yang symbol represents metaphysics is is physics plus the word meta in front so our ancestors were basically trying to understand uh, how our universe works or the laws governing you know how things work or how things unfold very much like our modern day scientists trying to do the same thing but you know it's hard science it's physics there are numbers there are formulas behind it Uh, but for metaphysics uh, it's a lot harder to quantify it's a lot harder to come up with a formula or a number you observe patterns you observe cycles and then you try to figure out what is the underlying law that are governing these things so i guess astrology falls under the umbrella of metaphysics yeah although this is not a word that you often hear in uh in western astrology metaphysics encompasses that cultural aspect that is unique to uh to the chinese just to mention first there are different methods of astrology for the chinese as well uh, there's Ba Zi, which came during the Song Dynasty, and then there's another one called Zwei Dosu, which uh, was popularized in the Ming and Qing Dynasty. So the Chinese did look at planets as well, just different planets, or maybe not as many planets as Western astrology. May, if you are listening to this, please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> so, so for Ba Zi, we look at the position uh, of you know Earth around the Sun. And then we look at the solar terms, we call it jie qi. Uh, so just based on this, the system of parts was developed. For zi to su, uh, we look more at the stars. So zi is actually the polaris star, the north star that doesn't move in the sky. And then you also look at the bei to qi sing, which is the big dipper. And then the nan to liu sing, which I believe is the Sagittarius uh, constellation. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> so so some of the some of the stars that the Western astrologers look at are the very same stars that the Chinese astrologers look at, and there's also a reason why there are twelve zodiacs and also twelve uh, horoscope signs. Mm. Yeah. So why twelve? Because 
uh, when astrology was developed, it's basically a system of timekeeping because you need to be able to measure time before you can uh, identify cycles or patterns. So why 12 is because there's, you know, our solar system is actually like a big clock in space. So Jupiter takes 12 years to go around Earth ma, to return, um, to come back to the same point. So that's how we measured one, how long a year is. Yeah, hence 12 signs and 12 zodiacs. For your own practice, right? Is it a combination of a variety of practices or? Usually, uh, my consultations, I combine every method that I know. So it's always a... Uh, combined with and sometimes even there's another method that I know called which is uh, is a divination method meaning you ask the question you generate the chart and you're supposed to know the outcome Yeah, which is why I'm here today as well so <laughs> what, what do you mean? I don't get it uh, it's said that coming for this podcast will be good so I decided <laughs> so I decided to come the chart <laughs> yeah so so in Western astrology, and I'm sure May will tell you this, it's called horary astrology. Horary. Horary. Yeah. So there are a lot of parallels actually mm, in, mm. in Western and Eastern astrology actually. Mm. Yeah. What's the one biggest difference? It's a bit hard to say which is the biggest actually. It depends on which method you're comparing it with. Mm. If let's say you compare it with Zui Dosu, there are a bit more similarities. But if you compare it with Bazi, it's a totally different system of measuring uh, patterns. Uh, the the planets and the stars you use are completely different as well, yeah. So the differences are mostly on the technical side, I feel. But what both methods hope to achieve, uh, and what you can do, are actually quite similar. Because I I had the fortune of having my chart read by Western astrologers, by uh, Vedic astrologers, and also other Chinese astrologers. So the interesting thing is that they all point towards the same thing. The conclusions, you know, different civilizations looked up in. Uh, you know, uh, at the skies, and then develop their own system of astrology, and they all point towards the same thing, which is uh, extremely fascinating, uh, to me. Sean told us that he's swarmed with like requests to do readings, and it's really interesting because he gets a lot of requests from millennials, most of whom are women. One of the reasons why uh, a lot of millennials are into astrology these days, firstly, it was, it's of course you know technology is a lot more accessible right now but one thing that I one thing that came to my head recently was that it's we live in confusing times as in a lot of my clients around my age or younger they are starting to question their lives a lot more like the definition of success is very blurred so they study very hard they graduate they find a job and then one day they suddenly ask themselves is that it you know is that all there is to my life and that's the point where they start to, you know, turn to astrology to seek clarity and answers. I have friends, I have clients who who earn a lot. You know, lawyers easily earning fifteen to twenty thousand a month. But if I look at their astrological charts, right, interestingly, it's not considered a very high quality chart. It's supposed to be a poor person's chart. So that got me questioning as well. How is it that someone who's earning fifteen thousand, twenty thousand a month can be considered a poor person? Yeah. So so I started to ask myself a lot of questions. Uh, is there something I'm missing? Uh, so, so it dawned upon me that how our ancestors measured a good life or fu qi is very different from how we you know, define it in, in modern times. So I, I guess for most of us, uh, a high salary is 
you know how we measure success or a good life but but if you take a step back you calm down you think about it there's so much more you need to consider if you are chasing that five-figure paycheck at the expense of your health uh, your family and whatnot you you can't really say that's a good life mm. yeah but people don't see that way or they don't understand you know what it means to have a balanced life it's only when you know something goes really wrong in their lives that they you know start to realize hey you know perhaps how i've been approaching uh, my life and what i define as success is not balanced enough yeah mm. so a lot of millennials who come to me i can see them struggling with with these kind of issues one of the things that May said in the last episode was about how astrologers are expected to be accurate, but the best of them are those who can help you work through your problems. I feel that a practitioner should never sell his or her services as a quick fix. So if I see another practitioner saying that, oh, wear this certain colour, or put this, buy this crystal, put it at home, or come to me and I'll make sure that, you know, your income and your business will, you know, grow uh, tenfold or whatever. Uh, I see them as red flags because mm. to me, this is not what astrology or Chinese metaphysics is about. It goes back to the, the point of me saying what I do is seen as a tool, as a quick fix. Uh, so, so these are some of the signs lah. Something Private is a podcast produced by WeFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us and follow us on Instagram at somethingprivatepod. We also have a Telegram channel. Find us at somethingprivatepod in your Telegram search box now. So this Saturday, on the 18th of January, I will be moderating a panel in Singapore on dealing with sexual harassment on campuses at a bookshop in Chinatown called The Moon. The event is a really cool panel. I mean, I'm on it. Okay, kidding. But there will be a clinical psychologist, a workplace harassment lawyer, survivors, friends, and food! There's gotta be a cheese platter! It's organised by four beautiful girls running a campaign on sexual harassment called Girl Talk. So all of you are welcomed. If you are tuning in and are interested, please come and join in the discussion. I really like for us to have an open and honest conversation with one another. Head over to our Instagram for more details. See you guys there. How does a Chinese astrologer carry out a reading then? Uh, typically what happens uh, during a consultation is that the client will first submit a form. Uh, it's basically a Google form la. I'll receive it and then they will get an automated email with you know to double check their details and payment and all the logistical stuff and then of course there's a there's a waiting period so I will type them a very comprehensive report that breaks down their chart and uh, addresses their initial questions first so I make it a point to make the report very technical uh, because I feel that Mm, they should have a basic understanding of their own charts la, and what I'm talking about. And it also reassures them that whatever I say is based on theory. It comes straight from the source material and it's not something that uh, I came up with. Uh, so this has been my personal style uh, ever since I started, you know, when I was 28. Because at that age, you needed to go that extra step to 
prove to others that you know what you're doing. Mm. So I cannot just, you know, say something and expect them to believe me. I said, this is from the books. If you want me to screenshot the book uh, to show you, I can. Then it came to a point where people uh, didn't really need an explanation anymore. They just trust what I say after, you know, you build up a certain level of credibility. Um, and I conduct most of my uh, consultations online. Uh, reason being, back then I had a corporate job. So it was just physically impossible for me to meet all these people in person and I also figured that it was a lot more efficient because if I were to do it in person they would go for the reading the practitioner would just say all the things they need to say and then the client will walk away forgetting most of the stuff mm. yeah because it's very hard to pay attention to what they're saying and then you know jotting down everything so I do it online I write them a long report and I give them seven days to ask uh, as many questions as they want uh, clarify whatever they want to look at uh, go further into detail um, on you know the things they want to find out they appreciated having something in black and white uh, to read people eventually were very receptive to doing online consultations la. so mm. uh, so most of my clients I think 99% of my clients I've not met in person before mm, <laughs> yeah. very interesting mm. but do you offer like face to face yeah I do of course I do of course uh, but the because of the time taken up the logistics the fee is a, a bit higher uh, but usually I would encourage the client to just do it online mm. it, will, it will be a better experience uh, mm. for them okay so Sean sounds pretty legit like he knows his stuff right but does he truly know his stuff we gotta test him. We gotta test him. Okay, cool. So now I'm very excited. We <laughs> <laughs> can't do Stressful. the best part of the podcast. <laughs> and that is the only reason why I asked Sean now today. Can't hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now it's gonna be really exciting because Sean's gonna read my chart. And, um, I'm very into astrology also. But I know nothing about Chinese astrology. Pisces girl. I'm oh. a Pisces girl. I don't know, I thought it'd be interesting to just like... I guess for you guys to hear like how Sean does his... That carries out his work also. Wow. And <laughs> yeah. then to see if like it's accurate. I think the most accurate is if I cry from the reading. Okay, so basically this is your chart. Don't understand anything. It's okay. No, not, you're not supposed to anyway. <laughs> not supposed okay. to anyway. So this part, these eight characters here is your NATO chart. You know... Eight characters, hence Patsu. So out of the eight characters, this one here, this character here, we call it your Ruyuan. In English, we usually say Day Master. La. So you are a young metal person. So usually when we analyze a Patsu chart, the first thing you need to know as a practitioner la, is that what is required to bring out the best in that particular element. So young metal is if you read through the Chinese classics, it's like the hard kind of metal. So young metal is the kind of metal that you use to forge into weapons or tools, mm. which is very different from ink metal. Ink metal, we call it xing jing. Young metal is geng jing. The importance of knowing the difference is that what brings out the best in a young metal and an ink metal is completely different. Mm. So young metal usually needs fire to forge it. Imagine putting a metal ore into a furnace you forge it in fire and then it comes out. You know, the end product is a valuable tool or mm. weapon. But ink metal 
you don't put it in the furnace. You because it's malleable, it's very easily you know bendable and whatnot. Uh, and remember, this is an extra. I know it sounds silly, but it's an extract representation and description. Uh. So for ink metal, we usually look at whether the chart has uh, water in it because ink metal needs to be cleansed for mm. the value to come out. Mm. So the source of fire, you can either look for it in your natal chart or you can look for it in your yun. Okay, so the second step is to actually look at whether your day master, your ru yuan, is ready for the best side of it to be brought out. Mm -hmm. So, because, okay, for example, right, young metal, before you forge it, right, you need young metal to be strong enough first. If mm. it's a weak young metal, you throw it in the furnace, it will just melt. Mm. Yeah, then it will be gone. You cannot extract any value for it from it. Mm. Yeah, so, coming back to your chart, right, you are a young metal person born during spring. Yes, so, so I'm weak. Yes, you're considered a weak <laughs> person. No, but weak doesn't mean it's a bad chart. Yeah, so, okay. so, so that's one misconception. You know, a lot of hobbies, they try to... Um, they try to pick up parts on their own and then they say they see that oh I have a weak parts of chart um, and then they automatically assume that oh my life is bad or my uh, so called luck is bad that's not the, that's not the right way of looking at it so mm. a weak day master and a strong day master is just a descriptor mm. it just describes the state of the chart but <clears throat> it doesn't mean you know strong day masters naturally have higher quality charts or weak day masters have lower quality charts it's just that the state of your young metal is weak, mm. so it's not ready to be forged yet. Interesting. Yeah. One of the hardest parts about parts analysis is determining what the chart needs. We call it season, which are your beneficial elements, the elements you need to strengthen or balance the chart, and your season, which are your destructive elements, mm. meaning the elements that you don't require. It will only drag down the quality of your chart. So you being a young metal born during spring and spring is when wood is very strong and metal is actually at its weakest. Uh, you are a weak young metal person. So the priority here is to strengthen your young metal chart. Okay. So, so following that logic, the third step is to um, figure out what are your season and season. So your chart will definitely need earth because earth strengthens uh, metal mm. Mm. and then okay so mm, so that's the third step figure out what elements you need so now that you have all these information right then you can start deducing how things manifest mm. in your life as well you want to know whether you make a lot of money no I want to know whether I I don't really care about money I care more about my career progression progression your Tayun. Cai Po Kong. So Cai Po Kong represents your finances, mm. your earning ability. So you see this red color T and this green color T, right? Mm. Clashing your Cai Po Kong, right? Mm. When this happens, generally speaking, your ability to acquire wealth will be a, a lot weaker. Mm. Yeah, a lot weaker. So usually when this happens, you need to just be very cognizant about the effort you put in, right? Are you getting the returns or not? Yeah. That is a recurring issue for me. <clears throat> yeah. So honestly a little bit uh a little bit weaker. Mm. But it's more of a yun thing at this stage. Means like cyclical. Cyclical. Cause this is uh cause this is your ta yun kong, right? So ta yun is the phases, right? phases change. But your natal kong is here. 
So your natal typogong is actually not bad. It's actually okay. It's mm. just that this stage in your mm. life right now, your tai yun hai mei o lai. I feel it. I feel yeah. it. I feel it. I really feel it. <coughs> so once you are out of this current ta yun. Which is in? Which is in... Hold on. When you turn 32. I told you! Yeah. I will pick in my 30s. Yeah, it will be a lot better. It will be a lot better. Oh my gosh, me eh. Yeah, so your tai gong becomes you know in this position so it's a lot better compared to the previous one so how's my 2020 gonna look like uh, if you want me to be honest it's a year where you should just lay low a little bit more it's not the year mm. where you will find yourself trending upwards la. Mm. you need to wait until 2021 for that their relationships <laughs> it's <laughs> relationships I don't think it will happen next year. So <laughs> it's cool. I'm really chill about yeah, that. Yeah, two to one, two to one. Okay. If you are looking for a partner, two to one would be the a but, better year. Okay, but that's just career. Actually, that's uh, just relationship aspect. Mm, but like everything else, eh? like career. Uh okay. So so usually, uh, what the charts will tell you right is that in every ten year phase there will be a major highlight. There will be one area of your life that is the weakest. So usually when we when we advise clients we will tui that weakest area because people don't realize that oh so relationship is my weakest area one of the weaker ones I knew it so <laughs> so <sighs> so usually people don't realize that one weak area of their life will drag down or other areas so you actually just need to address that weakest area and then the rest the rest of the things will you know sort themselves out so what I think is that I should not sweat that I cannot get a partner yeah, I mean, it's not... At this stage in your life, it's not a... Supposed to be a major issue. La. It's not the highlight. It's not a highlight. Okay. It's and, like, and like, like if, la. But if I'm like super insistent <coughs> on it, then I will cause a lot of friction in other aspects of my life, la, right? Um, it's not that. It's not that. I won't put it that way. It's more of it's unlikely you will find a good guy next year. I'm assuming you're single. I so, am. Yeah. So it's, but um, it's something that I have come to terms with myself also. I'm like, yeah, yeah no good man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! They don't exist. <laughs> so just be careful next year, lah. Mm. You might accidentally fall for someone, and if you are really holding on to you know such beliefs, it's quite likely that you will fall for someone that's pretty nasty. Yeah. That will never happen. I'm kidding. <laughs> Probably happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I can see which year it happened. <laughs> Two thousand fourteen. <laughs> Okay, okay, attention. <laughs> really? And you're fucking accurate. It's funny. Oh my god. I'm <laughs> it, it pays to listen to me. La. <laughs> Guys, he's, yeah, he's for real. Just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, why does pay to be accurate? I had a lot of clients recently that come back to me saying that, hey, you know what you said, you know, one, two years ago has come true. So mm. can I do a review? Mm. And then there'll be another group that that comes to you and sit and says like, hey, I should have listened to you. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's because uh, now that I'm in my fifth year of doing this, you know, it's pretty interesting last seeing all your old clients come back. Yeah. But mm, don't worry, don't worry. You know my num you have my number, so just text anytime. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I won't just, charge. I've I just met a man. 
Should I go for it? Can okay, why not? Like, don't waste your time, guys. It's like, ladies, if he's not go good, go to astrologer. Yeah, screen him first. You'll save you a lot of heartbreak. Can the chart apply for like homosexual couples, lah? Basically. Okay, so uh, when Chinese astrology was developed, of course, it's based on you need to take into account the context of, uh, in which it was developed on. So the theory, you know, from the source material, it always applies to heterosexuals first. But of course, there are ways to uh, identify whether the probability of this, you know, if uh, let's say I look at a chart, if I want to determine whether this person is uh, homosexual or not, there are some techniques to, mm. uh, to apply. Uh, but it doesn't mean you know, it's always 100% mm. uh, definitively this person is a homosexual. But just like you're saying, that's the... Yeah, so for example, right, let's say for a female homosexual, uh, the god that represents the husband in the chart, we call it Zheng Guan. So let's say there is a chart where Zheng Guan is completely missing or Zheng Guan is harmed. So the chances of this chart holder, this female chart holder being a uh, female homosexual is... Uh, a lot higher mm. than or it could be what like the she never gets married uh, or it could be that yes mm. yeah okay mm. or husband dies yes it also could be so so uh, but you need to go in very into detail to find out exactly how it manifests la. Mm. so it would be different from for everybody mm. uh, so one question that a lot of people like to ask is what happens if two people have the exact same charts does that mean they will have uh, the exact same lives Is there a possibility That they do Have the exact same it's lives It's not that they will Have the exact same lives that, But they will likely Have parallels mm, Their lives will have parallels Because a lot of people They fall into the trap Of thinking that Astrology or Chinese metaphysics Is everything It determines everything um, But it, it doesn't It's The laws are the same But you still have to Take into account The context Like you being born In let's say An urban city And you being born In a farm your lives will definitely play out differently, ma, but mm. there will be parallels. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the things that people go through, right? Um, if one were to be brutally honest with themselves, uh, a lot of it is, I feel, la, not, not every single thing. Of course, I always like to make this point clear that there are, you know, a group of people who are unfortunate. They're just born, uh, dealt a bad hand. You know, they are born with uh, illness or born into broken families or whatnot. But but aside from that, um, what people don't realize is that a lot of the things they go through are uh, brought upon by themselves. Lah. So because, uh, like I mentioned, when people approach Chinese astrology, they fail to look inwards first. So they don't realize that the root cause or the first cause is always from them that thought that you have, that action that you took. Mm. Uh, so you can't exactly blame uh, anyone or blame heavens for it. And I like to make it a point uh, to say that there's no such thing as luck in Chinese metaphysics. My opinion is luck and yun, they are not supposed to refer to the same thing. So when our ancestors say yun, Yun is like your thoughts, your actions, your environment. It's not about luck. It's not when I say how yun, right? It's not that you sit there, don't do anything, and then good things just happen. Mm. Yeah, which is why I said, you know, people tend to view uh, Chinese metaphysics as a tool and as a quick fix, mm. you know, to get your desires met. If you read like the Chinese classics on uh, astrology, right? There are chapters dedicated to 
um, explaining why personal cultivation or self-awareness is important because mm. to our ancestors <coughs> that is the true way or only way that your so-called luck or yun can improve yeah is there like one person that you have seen that like really stood out to you and was like super interesting I always talk about transcending your chart it basically means not to be bound by what the chart says if you know something uh, negative is in store for you what can you do to change that lah. I think one interesting case that stood out was there's this client a female client of mine uh, from her chart it says that it, she's not supposed to have a child one she's basically supposed to be infertile mm, but for some reason she managed to get pregnant and gave birth and even the western doctor that she went to said that it's a miracle that you got pregnant because I think it was something wrong with her her womb or something mm. <clears throat> so basically she's a social worker like she helps you know children in third world countries um, she paid her dues something like that so mm. um, so sometimes it's hard not to believe that there is a higher power uh, observing things okay so um, and how to my, find you yeah, my maybe. website is www.mastershawnchan.com but you don't have to address me as master please just call me Sean and it's, it's Sean as in S E-A-N dot mm-hmm. com mm-hmm. Yeah Or you, you can just Google my name Then my blog will be there So I blog regularly About uh, Chinese metaphysics I blog about My personal life Once in a while And so every article On my blog Is aimed at addressing A certain misconception Or it, ca- it could be A case study Just to Basically educate uh, Whoever's interested In this field lah. So when you're free Please Feel free to visit. Thank you, Nicole, for having me today. It was a really enjoyable session. Thank you. We've come to the end of the episode. At the end of this two-part episode on astrology, I can't help but wonder if I went into this only to be attacked. Joking. I think speaking to both Sean and May provided me with a lot of introspection on my life. And I find them both to be very trustworthy, very diligent, and very honest people. Like, I really... Like, I met them for, like, an hour each and I trust them, like, with my life. I don't know why. I think I stand by my place when I say that astrology is not some airy-fairy obsession. It can be a very useful tool in helping you gain perspective and a clearer view on your life. So, the double Pisces in me wants to know what you guys thought of this episode. Do you like it? If you do, drop me a DM on Instagram. If you don't, drop me a DM on Instagram. I really love to chat with you guys. Haven't spoken to some of you in a while. So, do reach out to me. <laughs>